Welcome to Friends Who Argue, a podcast from the Advocate Society. Each episode will bring you conversations with advocates across all areas of litigation who share their stories, insights, tips, and tricks from their journeys as advocates. We hope you'll find this podcast informative, inspiring, and most of all, entertaining, and that you'll subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to stay up to date on the latest episodes. Friends Who Argue is proudly sponsored by MNP, Litigation Support and Dispute Resolution, your expert partner for forensics, valuations, and litigation support. MNP, wherever business takes you. Welcome to Friends Who Argue. My name is Webb Haile, and I'm a construction lawyer and the principal lawyer at Traction Legal. My practice focuses on providing fractional in-house counsel and project shadowing services. Today, I'm delighted to be speaking with Neha Chug, founding partner at Chug Law and the 2022 recipient of the Katzman Award for Professionalism and Civility. The Katzman Award recognizes the qualities exemplified by Justice Katzman throughout his distinguished career, including an exemplary knowledge of the law, integrity, fairness, and civility, generosity of time and expertise with a commitment to mentorship and or legal education, and dedication to the highest ideals of the legal profession. Neha Chug is a partner at Chug Law Firm, a firm based in Cornwall, Ontario, which provides services in criminal law, including victim and witness representation, family law, and child protection law. Neha's practice focuses on criminal law with a specific focus on youth and adult mental health, litigation, and research. Neha, welcome to Friends Who Argue. First, congratulations on being awarded the Katzman Award for Professionalism and Civility. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm sorry, I, I still get goosebumps and a little misty every time I hear about the Katzman Award or um, and reminded about it. It's, it feels so surreal. So I'm just, you know, having my moment again. So thank you. Can you tell our listeners about your career journey? What inspired you to practice criminal law and eventually to open your own firm? Sure. So I fell into criminal law in law school. Um, I am the daughter of South Asian immigrants, and uh, they kind of gave me a few options about where they wanted to see me go to school and what they wanted me to do with my professional life. I really wanted to be a social worker. Um, I studied social work in my undergrad. My parents were really pushing me towards a profession, medicine, engineering, accounting, law, if law was what I wanted to do. But, you know, if I if I wanted to go into one of the STEM areas, they would have really been uh, um, satisfied and really happy with that. Uh, I went into law uh, after much pleading from my parents. Uh, I went uh, to Osgoode Hall Law School. Uh, first year law school was not the greatest. I had a lot of fun. I met a lot of great people, but I was really struggling to find my place uh, I thought that as a social worker, I wanted to do poverty law. So I applied to the clinic, uh, to the Parkdale Clinic for my summer term. And uh, as a, a clinical experience uh, through the intensive process at Osgoode Hall, uh, on my way to my interview, I got lost and I got stuck on the side of the road. I was driving there. There was a huge snowstorm and I got stuck. Um, I was an hour and a half late for my interview. And I totally bombed the interview. I uh, did not 
eventually get the job. I uh, was devastated, but I had put my hat into three uh, intensive programs. I put my name in and I went to see uh, Professor Strabopoulos, now Justice Strabopoulos, for the criminal law intensive because I thought maybe, you know, not knowing much about criminal law, I thought that maybe it was an area that I could explore. I went to the, to the interview and I explained my background in social work and uh, Professor Strabopoulos, now Justice Strabopoulos, said um, you'd be a perfect fit. Uh, defense lawyering and crowning, a lot of it is social work. A lot of it is finding uh, beds for your clients, knowing how to uh, speak to your clients and have them um, uh, understand what you're saying in plain language. Uh, understanding addiction, understanding community resources. So I hit the ground running with the intensive program and I never looked back. I was hooked. The first moment I stepped foot into a uh, remand court, I articled in Toronto for uh, David Berg, uh, who's now a judge out in Ottawa. And uh, my articling years were, the articling year was spent uh, running from courthouse to courthouse, uh, doing adjournments, organizing bail hearings, uh, doing research for my articling principles. I loved every moment of it. And I didn't, I didn't second guess my career path at all. I was uh, happy as a clam. We, my husband and I, so I got married in my third year of law school to uh, my university sweetheart. And my husband's uh, career trajectory was academic. He was finishing his PhD when I was finishing my articles. And uh, we also were expecting baby number one at the end of my articles. We uh, knew that we were moving out to Ottawa because my husband was going to be doing his postdoctoral fellowship in Ottawa. And so I went to uh, a job interview for an associate position with a Toronto-based firm that was looking to expand into Ottawa uh, I went to my job interview nine months pregnant and they took a gamble on me and it worked out for the best because I was uh, working. I took nine weeks with baby number one and I was uh, back to work uh, as an associate in Ottawa in August of 2011. Uh, I worked there for two years and then my husband's postdoctoral fellowship had come to an end. Uh, we were looking for uh, his permanent place in the academia and academic jobs are rare. They're hard to find, but with insurmountable student debt, it was not something that we could um, shy away from. He had, luckily he had two academic job offers. He had one at the University of Manitoba and he had one at Concordia University. And given how close we were to Montreal, I said to him, you know, let's make the Montreal thing work. I was pregnant with baby number two, um, and I think I just dove in, you know, eyes wide open. I just said, "Let's let's take the plunge. Let's see what happens." So we moved out to the West Island of Montreal. Um, Career-wise, I felt really stuck and at a loss. I was what you call a trailing spouse, which means I followed my husband for his job um, and potentially put my career at risk. Uh, I looked at a map and I said, I literally looked at a map and I said, uh, if we live 
here and I pointed to the West Island, I can work here and I put my left uh, pointer finger on Cornwall and I said it is approximately 85 kilometers from this neighborhood and I pointed to the neighborhood we live in and uh, you can take the commuter train into the city and I can drive to work in Ontario. Uh, not being bilingual, it would have been hard for me to pass the bar exam in Quebec. And because I had an established client base and good networks with uh, the bar, the Crown's office in Eastern Ontario, it wasn't something I wanted to lose. Cornwall is about 80 kilometers from Ottawa. And so I had already started planting the uh, seeds for my future career in uh, a region just east of, of the Ottawa area. So that's that's how it started. That's where um, my career path uh, began. If you told me 20 years ago that I would be practicing as a small firm owner in a place called Cornwall, Ontario, I would have laughed at you. I would have said, there's no way I'm going to be a lawyer. And uh, there's no way that I would ever leave southwestern Ontario. Uh, but uh, just following a series of uh, steps where my life took me, this is where I am. And it sounds like it's a place that you're pretty happy to be in. Is that a fair assessment? You know, I am very happy. Uh, life has been really good to me. Um, and uh, I'm, you know, the work is hard. And there are some very bad days in court and there's some bad days in the office and there's some bad days in parenting. Um, I have three kids now uh, and uh, overall it's been net good. Wonderful. And I think this is something that I'm really pleased to see the legal profession is being more open about. There are so many things that you've talked about that resonate with me as well. Uh, the encouragement that, you know, uh, children of immigrants often receive to pursue STEM careers, some, sometimes irrespective of their own interests, um, <laughs> making the best of career setbacks and actually way, the ways in which those career quote unquote setbacks can in the end put you on a path that you never would have expected, but which is better than you could have imagined. And also the very real challenges of balancing family life with professional life. Um, and that's especially true when you have two partners and both are dedicated to their careers. So uh, thank you for sharing that. What did it mean to you then to receive the Katzman Award for professionalism and civility? Small practice can be very lonely. Uh, private practice can be very lonely. And when I moved out to Cornwall from Ottawa, I thought that really it was the end of my career or I was just going to go to Cornwall and I would I'd never be known or seen again. And I really wanted to make a difference in the city of Cornwall. And I really wanted, uh, I really wanted to bring uh, the, the provincial and the national eye to the city of Cornwall because Cornwall has so much to offer and so much to be seen. And uh, when I found out that I was being nominated, and then subsequently that I had uh, won, I felt, um, I just felt so seen. Um, it uh, was a moment in my life I'll never forget. I, I received an email from 
uh, one of my nominators, she forwarded it to me, letting me know that I had been selected uh, as this year's recipient. And I sat in my office kind of stunned. Um, just my, it was, it took my breath away. Um, it, uh, um, completely shocked me. I, uh, remember sitting there and then I remember just weeping and, uh, some, uh, tears coming out of my eyes and me feeling overwhelmed with, with gratitude, uh, to the women who had nominated me. It is so important uh to identify and to nominate and to uh, uh put names forward of non-traditional candidates um two weeks after i found out i had won uh someone came to me and said will you nominate uh um a lawyer in your town for an east region award in child protection and i said i I won't hesitate to do it. Of course I will do it um, because our na names need to go forward and the recognition needs to be given to uh, lawyers in private practice, lawyers in small firms and lawyers in non-traditional uh, areas of practice. And when I say areas of practice, what I mean is geographical areas of practice. Mm, what a heartwarming story. And I can only imagine the feelings that you must have experienced. So. I think some of our listeners may be aware. Um, obviously, the Advocate Society is an organization of advocates, so many people will be familiar with litigation. And the line between zealous representation of our clients and incivility can, in some circumstances, be challenging to draw. So a little bit of context for those of our listeners who aren't familiar. In 2018, the Supreme Court of Canada released a decision in Groya and named Groya and the Law Society of Upper Canada, as the Law Society of Ontario was then known. And this decision looked at, among other things, the balance of a lawyer's duty to fiercely advocate for their clients with the responsibilities incumbent on, on lawyers as officers of the court to uphold the standards of professionalism. Ultimately, the Supreme Court agreed that the test for incivility in the courtroom should be multifactorial and flexible, and that it will depend on the circumstances at issue as to whether incivility has taken place, including what the lawyer said, the manner and frequency in which it was said, and the presiding judge's reaction to the lawyer's behavior. However, this context-specific balancing test means that in practice, as is so often the case with uh, decisions of the court, unfortunately, drawing the line remains tricky in some circumstances. So obviously you spend a fair amount of time in court, do you have any practical tips for our listeners and in particular newer calls regarding how you balance zealous representation with your duties of professionalism and civility? Yeah, um, it's hard. It is, uh, it is one of the biggest issues I grapple with because there's uh, a little person inside of me that's uh, screaming about you know, poverty and racism and uh, uh, systemic discrimination that I see uh, on a daily basis. I'm I'm uh, uh, worried about the overrepresentation of Black and Indigenous uh, uh, accused people in custody. I'm I'm worried about how uh, 
police and other institutional uh, members of our um, uh, corrections and child protection services uh, are trained. I, I, I deal with this on a daily basis and I address it head on and I have to address it head on because my clients need that representation. I'm not always successful and it is exhausting to not always be successful. And it is exhausting to not have the, the right evidentiary foundations or uh, the right uh, case before the court, but to know implicitly in my heart that that these injustices are going on on a daily basis. So uh, there's a couple of things that I do that are unhealthy. Uh, first of all, I have a commute home. So I get in my car, listen to music. I, um, I scream about it at the top of my lungs quietly in my car uh, because no one else can hear me. So loud screaming, but uh, kind of captured in my closed car. Uh, but uh, what I encourage people to do in my Katzman speech on October 3rd was to wake up and, and keep doing it again. Um, that's our calling, right? We have to we have to take the injustice. We have to keep chipping away. And then we have to go to bed and do it again uh, and do it again and do it again and do it again. And that's how great law is made. Great law is not made overnight. It's made by chipping away and chipping away and chipping away. Um, so that uh, exhaustion, the internal uh, voice that's saying something is wrong, something is wrong, the alarm bells in your ears, it's all right. And so uh, know that no matter how wrong you're being told you are, uh, you're not wrong, that you're doing right by your client and uh, get up the next day and do it again. I think those are really great points. And certainly we all need stress relief at, at some points, <laughs> you know, the pra practice of law has its challenges, <laughs> emotional and otherwise. Um, I remember as uh, an associate just starting out at BLG that I was given some helpful tips by the lawyers in the practice group I was working in. And they, generally speaking, very much related to putting some distance between yourself and whatever was riling you up and potentially leading you to become uncivil. Mm -hmm. And I think your example of, you know, finding releases like screaming in the car is a good example of that. So I was told, for example, never send an email angry. If you want no. to draft the angry email, <laughs> you can draft the angry email, but do not under any circumstances send it. Leave it for an hour or a day if you have the time. Or get someone else to look at the email if you think you're not angry in the email, but you, but you're not sure. Maybe you're a little snarky. Um, so, I mean, these types of things don't necessarily rise to the level of incivility, but certainly they can result in sending messages and communications that are not as polite or as professional as one might hope. And then obviously, uh, remembering that our aim as advocates is to persuade. And generally speaking, we are more persuasive when we focus on the issues rather than, uh, you know, express our emotional outrage. This is not always the case. Obviously, you know, well-placed moral outrage can be appropriate in the right circumstances, but generally speaking, and I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on this. Generally speaking, I think as part of, you know, a, a well-constructed argument and not as an impromptu rant. 
Yeah, not much is accomplished when you're you're ranting or raging in court. And I saw this thing, I think on, on TikTok, um, where you know you feel like sending that angry email, get a journal, get a handwritten journal and rage it all out uh, in, in writing. Keep it to yourself. Uh, don't go on Twitter. You don't need to have a big Twitter thread about how angry you feel uh, because you don't know who's reading that. Keep it to yourself and, and do it old school with a journal mm. uh, and uh, keep it professional in the courtroom and keep it professional on your social media and your email correspondence. Listen, I've been guilty of it. I'm not innocent of, uh, I'm not completely innocent in, in this sphere. Uh, we've all been guilty of sending an email that we didn't want to send or, or, or text message uh, or having a phone call that went sideways. Mm. But ultimately we uh, are in a law practice. So it is practicing how to be professional. And uh, um, it is it is a learned experience for me too. Absolutely. And I think we've touched on this to some extent in our, our discussion just now, but in your experience and from your perspective, generally speaking, do you think a culture of practice which emphasizes the importance of professionalism and civility improves the administration of justice overall? Um, yes and no. I mean, not much is... Uh, going to be accomplished if we keep writing each other emails that say, I hope this finds you well, or um, have have a wonderful day, exclamation mark, smiley face. I mean, at some point, we have to be assertive, and we have to advance our clients' positions. Um, but a culture, the opposite culture, a culture of anger, of arrogance, uh, a culture of um, uh behavior that deteriorates professionalism, I think, uh, is is uh, the wrong approach. Uh, it does not advance anyone's causes. It's expensive. It usually results in terrible cost awards. Uh, and uh, uh, you, you don't become the lawyer that people want to work with. Finally, for a bit of levity in our discussion, I know you like reading literature and watching legal dramas. We'd love to get your recommendations on uh, any books or shows you'd recommend to our, our listeners. So I just finished Fleischman is in Trouble, uh, and I really liked it. I liked the show. I liked the book. Um, I found that I empathized with the female character. For those who have read the book, you'll totally understand what I'm saying. Um, I think it's because I had read uh, Roxanne Gay's Bad Feminist, and I've been thinking a lot about what it means to be a feminist in uh, the practice of law, in a marriage, uh, as a parent, what it means to be a good mom um, and to be a working parent at the same time. Uh, and uh, three quarters of the book, Fleischman is in Trouble, and the show, most of the show, follows the male character. Um, and uh, the last portion of the book reveals what's going on with the female character. And it is, it turns the book upside down. I really appreciate that. I think that uh, women in law who are juggling careers with their, with their partners or with um, other members of their family will understand what I'm saying when I, when I say that flesh in their, is in trouble. It resonates from the bad feminist perspective. Well, it sounds like a great show. And actually, I've uh, just earlier today, um, someone recommended this show to me. So obviously, obviously uh, not to be missed. 
Neha, thank you so much for joining us today on Friends Who Argue. It's been a real treat to speak with you. Thanks to our guest, Neha Chuck, for a heartfelt and interesting discussion. Our editors, Chris Horkins and Karen Bernofsky, the Advocate Society team, and our sponsor, MNP, for their support. This is Web Highlights signing off. Friends Who Argue is brought to you by MNP. You want to put your best case forward in the courtroom. MNP is there to help. Fact-finding, analysis, insightful reporting, and credible testimony, MNP provides a full suite of forensic and litigation support services all in one place. Their experts also provide early detection and prevention of financial irregularities so you can prepare your strongest defense. MNP's objective team of experts in law enforcement and investigations will ensure you aren't surprised during the litigation process. Get through your next crisis with the right experts in your corner. Visit mnp.ca to learn more. That's it for our show. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode and that you'll tune in next time. If you enjoyed this episode and want to stay up to date, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Friends Who Argue is brought to you by The Advocate Society, an association of advocates with over 6,000 members from all areas of practice across Canada. For more information about The Advocate Society, go to www.advocates.ca or follow us on Twitter at at advocates underscore SOC. Until next time, we are Friends Who Argue.